Amen. How's everybody doing today? Ready for uh, a new year? Wanted to share a message this morning um, called Three Fronts of a Healthy Church. And it's just kind of a, a message that will uh, help us think about the year ahead and how, how do we keep our church healthy and balanced in the things that Jesus wants us to be doing. It's always good to be able to look in the scripture and see what the church is like. I mean, Jesus created the church and we see a snapshot of it in the book of Acts. So we're going to look at that this morning. But I want to talk about these three different, uh, I call them fronts, you know, a front. What is a front? It's kind of an aspect or a, uh, an area of focus. And when you think about um, our walk with Jesus, that has to be one of the things we focus on. As individuals and as a church, it has to be our relationship with Jesus Christ. That's primary. It's first. has to be. But other than that, there needs to be a focus on the church itself in terms of the fellowship and the strengthening and the encouragement that comes within the body as we, as we grow together in the ways of the Lord. And then there has to be a focus on the mission. You know, why are we here? You know, what, what is the mission that Jesus gave to the church? It's easy to have one of those focuses and eliminate the others. You can have people that are focused only on their relationship with Jesus. and They don't really fellowship and build others. And they don't really engage in the mission. They're just like, almost like a monk. You know, they go and they, they, they cut themselves off from everything. I just want to focus on my relationship with Jesus. Or you might have people that are, all, you know, they're, they're the fellowship butterflies. I love the fellowship, love the fellowship. Don't spend any time with Jesus. And never share the gospel. That's not good either. And you have some people that are all mission oriented. They just want to get involved in God's work. Do this or do that. But they don't really spend time with Jesus. They don't spend time building the body. So they're all needed. It's, it's, it's important to have a balance of all these. So we're going to look at that in the book of Acts. And uh, I want to open up in a, in a word of prayer. So Lord Jesus, I pray that as we look forward to this coming year, you'd help us to be healthy as individuals and as a church, to be the kind of church you want us to be, Lord Jesus. To be able to take from the scripture this snapshot we see in the book of Acts and see how it can become reality in our world today. I ask you to help me to communicate this in the wonderful name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. All right, so let's start in Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Jesus had died and he rose from the dead at this time and he was with his disciples. And here's what it says. While staying with them, he ordered them. You know, when Jesus gives an order, it, it kind of sets up uh, him as the Lord, right? I mean, Jesus is the one who calls the shots. How many know that's true? People say, who's the leader of the church? Well, it's Jesus. It should be Jesus. And, and it's up to us to learn to hear from him and, and to do what he tells us, basically. And so Jesus gave this order. He said, don't depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, 
but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So there was this urgency in the heart of Jesus and a command, and he ordered them. You know, he gave them this mission to go and make disciples of all nations, but then he said, hey, before you go, before you go anywhere, wait until you receive what he calls here the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You've heard of water baptism. There's another baptism called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, wait for that. It was an order or a command given by him. I have all these pages I'm going to be flipping through today because I made a copy of the slides to preach from. (laughs) So if you see me turning, it's not because I have thousands of pages of notes. But he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So so the church has been given a, a command from Jesus, an order, to go and wait for this empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And he said, you will receive power when the Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So this, this to me, is the inception of the church. It is, it is Jesus coming and saying, hey, you know what? I'm all about this mission. I have a mission. You know what that mission is? Is I want people all over the world to hear the testimony of Jesus. I want everybody to hear about what I've done, how I came, how I died, how I was buried, how I rose again, how I am the Lord. I want everyone to know this. And so I'm taking you, my chosen disciples, and he said, hey, I want you to go and wait in Jerusalem until you have this power from on high and go tell everybody. So the church, at its core, is a missionary agency, if you want to call it that. When I say missionary, sometimes you, you, you get a picture of your mind as somebody walking around in a pith helmet in the middle of Africa. It just means people sent. The church is a sending agent, sent by Jesus. Where are we sent? Everywhere. Do you know that you're a missionary right here where you live? You don't have to go to Asia or China. If God tells you to go there, praise God. But you could be a missionary Right here, because at its core, the church is given a mission by Jesus. We love to read about Acts 2 and how the church was gathered and they were meeting together and praying and all, that, all the good things that were happening there. But that never would have happened if it weren't for this. If Peter hadn't stood up on the day of Pentecost to be a witness for Jesus, Acts 2 never would have happened. And, and we wouldn't have happened. We wouldn't be here if, if somebody hadn't taken seriously the mission of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so I believe that the church, in, in, in its core, has to be a mission-focused group of people. Has to be. If, if we leave that aside, if we say, well, that's for the missionaries or that's for the evangelist, we're missing out on one of the huge fronts that makes the church what it actually should be, what it is, to be healthy. That we are called 
to a mission. And it's something that is in the heart of Jesus. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That is the heart of God. When Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. This, this heart of Jesus still beats in the life of his church. And, and when we become close to Jesus, when we become linked more deeply to him and letting his word seek into our hearts, something about mission needs to stir up within us. It's part of what it means to be the church. And so, I have another slide right after this. Um, this is a picture of what I just shared with you. Jesus gave this mission. Mission flows out of our surrender to Jesus. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you said before, that's just not my calling? Well, I beg to differ with you. That is your calling. You may not understand how to step into it or how to be that, but every one of us have a calling to be involved in the mission of our Lord Jesus Christ. He saved us. He, he reconciled us so we can go and reconcile others. And so this relationship with Jesus has as part of it a mission. And we see that he commanded them, he empowered them, and, of course, the focus of all that was to take his message to all the nations. It's for all people. It's for everyone. Mission flows out of our surrender to Jesus. I want to say to you that for many years in my life, I, I, I let this part of my Christian faith kind of go to the wayside. Because I was focused on other things. I was trying to you know, build the church, be a faithful Brother, you know, learning the word of God and all those kind of things. I forgot about the mission. And in the last number of years, I would say three to four years, I mean, the Lord has really spoken deeply to my heart that, hey, if you're not doing the Great Commission, what are you doing? What are you doing? This is, this is the mission I gave you, Kirk. You know what I mean? It's like there's one thing, one thing I gave you to do. And so I've had to, I had to, you know, rethink my own life and make adjustments because of this mission. It's, it, is, it is the mission of Jesus for his church. Don't push it off on an evangelist. It's for everybody. So we see on the day of Pentecost, Peter actually stepped into that mission. And I want to read Acts 2.36. You know, Peter, on the day of Pentecost, if you remember the story, they were in the upper room, 120 people. They were praying, seeking the Lord. And as they were praying, the Holy Spirit fell, just like Jesus told them, wait until you receive this power. And as they were praying, there was a sound like a rushing wind, and the Holy Spirit fell upon them. And this 120 people stood up and began to speak in tongues and praise God. And the noise was going out beyond their building into the streets. There were thousands of people in the town at that time because they were there for the, the Feast of Pentecost. And all the people were hearing this noise and they began to gather around like, what's going on over there? Some thought they were drunk. They were crazy. But Peter, the Lord just infused him with this new boldness because he was afraid. Remember, remember just a, a few weeks before this, he stood at a campfire and denied Jesus three times. He was so afraid of his life being taken. And now standing 
in front of those same people, he stood with a boldness that came from the Holy Spirit. And he began to preach a message to them. And here's a part of what he said. He said, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made Jesus, made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus, whom you crucified. I mean, he stood there and told these people, look, God sent Jesus. He sent him to be the Savior of the world, but you guys crucified him. But God raised him from the dead, and he began to talk about the resurrection. He said, all these people you see up here who are praying right now, you hear these languages that are happening, and you hear in your own language. He said, all of us are eyewitnesses. We saw him. He's alive. And they were there to testify of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, I want you to know that Jesus wasn't just a teacher. He wasn't just a rabbi. He wasn't just a miracle worker. He is the Lord. And that means Yahweh. He is God Almighty. And so they they were there testifying to these people being the witness for Jesus. They were doing what Jesus told them in Acts 1. And what was the result? It says, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. I love that because God's word is what will cut to the heart of those who are lost. You see, Jesus would look down on this group of people, the, the same ones who crucified him. Remember what he said when he hung on the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And those same people, Jesus wants to save them. But it takes somebody to carry the mission. It, it, it took Peter, a fisherman, an unschooled fisherman, to stand up and say something about Jesus. And when he did, the Bible says these people were cut to their heart. Well, see, that was God working. God was working in conjunction with, with their faithfulness to, to speak for him. And so they were cut to their heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what do we do? Man, I mean, can you imagine what you would do if you heard that you just killed the Messiah? You've been waiting for him, hoping for him, praying for him. All of a sudden he came and you rejected him and you actually crucified him. And somebody stood up and said, hey, that's the one. What would you feel like? And these guys were like, oh, Lord, what do we do now? And so Peter gave them a message. He said to them, you got to repent. That means turn. It just means to make a 180. You're going in a certain direction. You turn. What are you turning? You're, you're turning to God. You're turning from a life of sin and you're saying, hey, I want to turn to God. And you know that is the same message today. If somebody asks you, what do I got to do to be saved? You know what you need to say? The same thing Peter said. Repent and be baptized. That's the same thing. It's how you get into the kingdom of God. It's how you're initiated into what God wants to do in the world. And so he said, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For this promise is for you, it's for your children, it's for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. So look at the next slide there. You see that what the mission did is it drew people to Jesus. So what I'm trying to show you is these, 
these three fronts, Jesus, the church, and the mission, are, they're interconnected. They're, they're related to one another. And so Jesus sent them with a mission, but when we, when we carry out the mission, which is to be a testimony for Jesus, what does it do is it draws people to a relationship with Jesus. Nobody in this world can have a relationship with Jesus apart from what happened there on the day of Pentecost, to repent, to be baptized for the forgiveness of sins, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. No one can be connected to Jesus apart from that. It doesn't come by just making a, you know, a New Year's resolution, I'll be a better person, or I think I'll start going to church, or I'm going to start reading my Bible. No, the only way that happens is through repentance and baptism and receiving the Holy Spirit. So I'd like to say to you this morning, do you know some people who have not experienced that? Well, hey, we're, we're on a mission to help them. And the mission is to help people come under the lordship of Jesus. That's what it's all about, is helping people come under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And I can, can I say this to you? Have you experienced that? Have you Repentant? Have you been baptized? Have you received the Holy Spirit? If not, then maybe is your maybe it's your time to say, "Hey, it's about time that I stepped into that myself." So the mission, the fulfillment of the mission, is to connect people to Jesus in reality. And who doesn't want that? And those those of us who say. It's not my calling. I, I hope you can see from this that it is your calling. If you know somebody in your family or a neighbor or someone you work with that's going to die and go to hell one day, don't you think it would be cool to be able to say, hey, let me tell you about Jesus, a way that you can have eternal life and be a testimony for Jesus, be a witness for Jesus so that they might experience the goodness of God like you have. With many other words, he bore witness and he continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. And so those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Man, what a great day that would have been. You know, Peter, the unschooled fisherman, gets up, gives the testimony of Jesus tells them what they got to do to be saved. And there were people in that crowd who said yes to Jesus. And two things happened. One was they were, they were added to a relationship with Jesus, but they were added to a church. That, that, that's, that happened as well. They were added to their number. They became part of the group. So now it was not just 120 people but it was 3,120. So the next slide, you can see a picture of that. The focus on a mission also adds people to the church. You know, verse 47 of this, uh, this Acts 2, which we'll read in a minute, it says the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. And so the mission, it connects people to Jesus, but it also connects people to his church. So the, th the three areas I'm talking about today is our relationship to Jesus, the focus on the mission, 
And then what does it mean to be his church? Living in that realm as well. And so it is the mission that pushes people to the relationship with Christ, but also helps to connect them to his church where lots of good things can happen. So let's go on. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. So once these people found themselves in Christ, they repented, they were baptized, they received the Holy Spirit. It, it wasn't like, oh, well, now I'm saved and I'm going to go off and do what, whatever. No, they, they continued in certain practices that would help them sustain that walk with Jesus. And there was four things mentioned here. Who can see those? One is the apostles' teaching. Let's just, for the sake of our conversation today, call that the word of God. That, that you're, you're in a place where you're getting teaching. You're getting into the word of God. Maybe, maybe it's teaching, but, but you're also learning how to read the word of God yourself. You know, you're, you have a personal relationship to the scripture. How many of you would be happy if you ate one meal a week? I see your hand. See, and yet sometimes that's how we approach the scripture. We come, well, I'm getting fed at church on Sunday. Well, you might get a little snack on Sunday, but you have to feed yourself, you know, from the word of God. You know, learn how to read the scripture, learn how to, to draw from the Lord and, and let him teach you. He will. And so these people were devoted to this. That word devoted just means they were committed to it. Something they said, hey, you know what? This, these are the things that we want to give ourselves to. So one is this, this apostle's teaching. One is called the fellowship. Now, what is fellowship? It, fellowship means really participation. That's what the Greek word means. Um, sometimes in the, in the New Testament, the word was used when people contributed to the needs of others. The word contributed is that word fellowship or koinonia is the word. They, they helped, they, they participated. They, they helped meet a need of another person. You know, sometimes when we think of fellowship, we think of, you know, two or three guys sitting around eating potato chips watching a football game. That's not really fellowship. That's guys sitting around eating potato chips watching a football game. <laughs> fellowship is something different. It is participation. Paul the Apostle talked about people who were in the fellowship of the gospel. What does that mean? It means they were co-laborers. We were together in this, in this work, in this mission. They're in the fellowship of the gospel. And so we're called into fellowship with Jesus. We're called into fellowship with one another. I mean, how many of you ever heard the story called the fellowship of the ring? It was people committed to a task. It was a group of people who said, hey, we're on a journey together to get this ring from point A to point B and we're doing it together, and whatever we have to go through as a group, we're going to go through. It's the fellowship of the ring. Well, we're in the fellowship of Jesus, and we're participating in his work and his love and his ministry and his church. That's the fellowship. So they were committed to the fellowship. They were committed to breaking bread. Uh, some people say this is talking about communion. My feeling is communion. I don't, I'm not opposed to that, but I think... Almost every time the word breaking bread is used in the scripture, it's talking about eating. And they were eating together. They were just sharing their lives. They weren't just 
you know, all meet you in the temple on, on next Sabbath. They were spending time together, breaking bread, and then also prayer. So here's a question for you. Do you want to grow in this front in the coming year? Well, just look at how am I doing in my, in my time in the word? Am I, am I growing in the word of God? Do I have a devotion toward that? Do I have a devotion toward prayer? Uh, take some time and meet people. Invite people to your home. Sit down and share a meal together. You know, it's a, it's a chance to, to begin to participate and to feel part of another person's life. And when you start meeting people and you start knowing them and you start knowing their needs, that's what fellowship, that, that's where fellowship begins to happen. You, you're participating in the lives of one another. And God desires that in the church. That's what he's calling people to. He's calling people out of darkness into the fellowship of his, of his son, into the fellowship of his family, into the fellowship of his ministry. And so evaluate yourself on those things. My next slide there shows you that when we're focused as a, on the church as one of the fronts, when we're focusing on what does it mean to be the church, well, that's going to do two things. It's going to push us to Jesus because we're going to be devoted to prayer. We're going to be devoted to the word. But it's also going to push us back into the fellowship because we're going to eat together and we're going to break bread and we're going to participate in the lives of one another. So can you see again the interdependence of these three things, the relationship with Jesus, being a vibrant part of a church, and being in the mission of Jesus. They, they all work together. They, they each kind of push, push you toward the other ones. So next, what happened? It says, awe came upon every soul. You know, there was an environment that took place in that church because of what they were doing. He calls it awe. Some versions call it the, the fear of the Lord came upon every soul. But if you look in the scripture and see how that word is used. It was always used in places where God did amazing things, like when, when Jesus walked on water, it says they were full of awe. Or when the guy was told to pick up your mat and walk, and, and he did, and the people were filled with awe. It, it's just when God starts doing amazing things, some, there's like this attitude, awe, that takes place. It's, wouldn't you want that in the kingdom of God? Awe, we're full of awe because of what the Lord is doing. And that's what was happening here. In this, in this first church. So what were some of the things? When, when the Spirit of God was there and there was a sense of awe, well, one of the things that was happening was signs and wonders. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Initially it was there. You see later in the book of Acts, others were also praying for the sick and so on. So God does want to do signs and wonders even in the world today. That's, that, that is actually to me, part of the mission, that we're taking the message of Christ out into this world and we're seeing the Lord work in signs and wonders. When you're looking through the book of Acts, you'll find that signs and wonders were most often performed in evangelism. It was out on the front lines of evangelism. Does that mean he doesn't heal people in the church? No, it, it doesn't. He heals people in the church. But he doesn't call us to have a healing service. He calls us to be, be on a mission to take the healing of Jesus Christ into this world. There were signs and wonders. All who believed were together. They had all things in common. 
They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. You know, I, I hear some people say, I'm not sure I want to be part of that church. But what was happening there? God was just moving in such a way in the heart of these people. They were saying, you know what? Whatever it takes, I'm willing to give whatever I have to help the kingdom of God go forward. That was church. It was, it was starting to, to develop in this manner, and awe was coming upon the people. I believe in that environment, you would be happy to sell the things you have to give to others. But it was, it was a unique time. It was an amazing time, and the Spirit of God was moving on the hearts of people. So look at the next slide I have up there. This life in the church spawned a couple things. One is, I believe it did spawn mission work. There were, there were still people, signs and wonders. People were putting, as Peter would walk down the street, they were dragging people out to see if he could fall in his shadow. He, they were going to pray, and there was a man at the gate, beautiful, that was healed. I mean, the signs and wonders were happening, but it was, in the, it was out in the world. It was in the field, in the mission. And there was extreme generosity in the church. What brought that about? It was they were together, they were praying, they were in the word, they were in fellowship, they were breaking bread together. Some of these things just caused a, a life to stir up inside of them. And they said, hey, I care about the needs of my brothers. I'm going to go and sell something I have and, and meet a need over here or meet a need there. They were just caring for one another. That's the fellowship that was there. But it was also reminding them that we're on a mission. We're here not just not just to take care of these 3,000 people that just got saved, but we're here to reach Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, and we have to continually lift our eyes up to the fields. They're white unto harvest. Some of us will be happy to spend the rest of our life in the fellowship of believers and never darken the door of another sinner. But I pray that wouldn't be us. I pray that would not be us. I love the fellowship of the saints. I love the fact that we can spend time together and meet the needs of one another. But I also love it. And the Lord cuts the heart of an unbeliever who, who, who's heard about Jesus. And they say, I want to follow him. That's you. I, I, I love that about you, Rachel. You know, I see the Lord is doing such a good work in your life. But you know what? You, you responded to Jesus. And uh, I'm so happy about that. Day by day, attending the temple. So they spent time in the temple. They were together. They were breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts. They were praising God. You know, the church... I believe, needs to be the place of praise. They were praising God, you know, giving thanks to the Lord for all that he was doing. They were going to the temple together. That was their, their practice. But they were also meeting together in their homes. It was a, just a daily activity. They were receiving their food with glad and sincere hearts. They were praising God. They had favor with all the people. And I think that's speaking of people even in the community. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So you can see in this picture right here, 
on the next slide, that really all three of these elements are there, aren't they? I mean, in, as far as the church goes, they were breaking bread in their homes. They were eating together with glad and sincere hearts. There was that sense of fellowship. They were, they were fostering their relationship with the Lord by being in the temple. They were praising God. That, that was an element that was there. But there was also this favor among the people, and the Lord was adding daily those who were being saved. How, how did he add them? Because somebody, somebody was telling somebody about Jesus. There was the mission, the church, and this relationship with Jesus, all functioning in this little church in the book of Acts. And so finally, I want to share with you this last scripture in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. In him, we have redemption through his blood. Thank you, Jesus. The forgiveness of our trespasses, according to... To the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us all, in all wisdom and insight. Isn't that awesome? I mean, we, we can sit here from now till eternity and just talk about how much the Lord has blessed us in forgiving us, the riches of his grace, all this that he lavished on us. And it says he's making known to us. The mystery of his will. I love, don't you like that little word? The mystery of his will. What is, Lord, what's the mystery of your will? What is that? We all love a mystery. He said, he makes known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. And that is to unite all things in him, things in heaven, things on earth. You know what the mystery of his will is? is that everything would be united in Christ. That doesn't happen without the mission. In a certain sense, that doesn't happen fully until we come into Christ through our repentance, through our baptism, through receiving the Holy Spirit. And even more deeply, as we get into his word and prayer, and we learn to praise him. And then we help our brothers and sisters come into Christ. You know, part of the outcome of our fellowship is is I want to sit down with Jerry and I want to help Jerry come closer to Jesus. I want to help him, you know, he, he already loves the word of God, but I want to help him love the word of God more. You know, and, and I want to help him to pray. And I want to help him to praise Jesus. And, and I want to sit with my brother, Joey, over there and say, Joey, come on, man, let's, let's follow Jesus. Uh, let's go out and share the gospel with somebody. Let's go out and be involved in his mission. Come on, we'll go out and tell Someone about Jesus. Maybe someone's going to give their heart to Jesus today. Maybe someone will get cut to the heart. Or, hey, let's go out and have a hamburger together and sit down and talk about the word of God and encourage each other in the ways of the Lord. So the church, how does the church stay healthy? It stays healthy by like spinning all these plates. Remember the guy on Ed Sullivan's show, you know, spinning all the plates? How many plates can you keep spinning? Well, he's just three here. There's just three. I want to keep my relationship with Jesus. I want to be in his word. I want to be in prayer. I want to praise him. I want to worship him. I want to be in the temple, so to speak, and gather with God's people as we worship. I want, I want to see that relationship with Christ. But I know the closer I get to Jesus, he's going to push me to the church. He's going to push me to care for my brother. He's going to push me to be generous. He's going to push me 
to want to fellowship. He's going to push me to want to sacrifice. But he's also going to push me to his mission. My relationship with Jesus will bring that outcome in my life. So I want you to stand with me. And um, got the, I guess there's a last slide I, I could put up there. Which front will be your focus in 2024? You know, maybe it's all of the above. Maybe it's one. You know, maybe, maybe you need to focus on your relationship with Jesus. You say, you know what? I just never read the word. I never really spend time in prayer. Or I don't worship God. I just come and sit and watch the worship team. Well, say, hey, you know what? Lord, this year, I want to I work on that front. I want to I begin to be a man of God. I want to be a woman of God. I want to be a woman of the word or a man of prayer. And just say, Lord, help me. You know, talk to somebody. Get some help. There, there's all kinds of ways that you can begin to step into this. If you've never repented and been baptized, then take that step and begin to follow Jesus more closely. Maybe your focus is to be in the fellowship in his church. You know, there's... We go out and talk to people and share the gospel often. And you know what I hear more, more often than not? You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Well, that's true. That's true in some sense. But it's not what Jesus wants. He, he didn't save us to be isolated. He saved us to be a family, to be part of his family, to be in fellowship with one another. So maybe you don't. Maybe you come to church because you feel guilty. Maybe you, it's like, ah, I'll go because someone's probably going to call me if I don't show up. Don't do it for that reason. Why don't you just say, hey, Lord, I want to be part of the fellowship. I want to I begin to give my life to others, pour into them and bless them and be a blessing to them. Or maybe your focus this year is to say, hey, Lord, you know what? I just don't even care about the mission. Say, Lord, change me. Change something inside of my heart to where what you care about, I care about. I care about what you care about. So whatever it might be, ask the Lord to help you. But I hope that we as a church can have all these things in in practice. Father, I ask you in Jesus' name, as we set our course in the coming year, we don't know what tomorrow holds, Lord, but We're saying to you this morning, we just want to be a healthy fellowship of people who are close to you, who carry your mission, and who love the body of Christ. Father, I pray that this example that we see in the book of Acts, chapter 2, would just be something that would stir our hearts. It would help us, Lord God, to take our next one step in following you. And I pray, Lord God, each person here could just take a moment and, and ask you, Lord, what's, what's the next one step I can take to be obedient to Jesus? Jesus the name above every other name. Father, I ask you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.